Here we go on a March Madness Sunday in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time, every week on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are live right now at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, just down the road from Cashman Center. The address is 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Kickers will be our home for a while because due to COVID-19 protocol, still all live shows have been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio and All we've been told is that it's until further notice. So if you're up in mobile, come on down and join us. We'll hook you up with some free donuts and orange juice. And Kickers is offering mimosa and Bloody Mary specials during the show. Uh, Joining me on the show is our longtime intern and social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Yeah, he is the only intern in the world with his own theme music. And The Wiz also now has his own sports talk show, Delivering Sports Friday Nights at 7 on KSHP, which is 1400 AM on your radio dial. Also part of the show and social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio, producer and future WWE star Dino Demon. Known around Lotus Broadcasting Studios as Demon Cotton. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Line Fox LV. One more time, at Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-876. 1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights keep rolling. The Runner Rebels will be looking for a new basketball coach again. March Madness might be the understatement of the century. And if your bracket is even close to perfect, you either threw darts to make your picks or you know very little about college basketball. And Spencer is very upset about the Las Vegas Raiders free agency acquisitions. I'm very upset at the Detroit Lions. (laughs) Again, if you are awake, don't wait. Uh, Come on down right now. Get some free donuts and free orange juice. Uh, We're at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. That is right down the road, again, from the Cashman Center, 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard, and also the Neon Graveyard down the road. Get a chance to check those places out. Uh, That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, One Neighborhood at a Time. And uh, Spencer, before we get going here, first of all, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking. I'm doing. Uh, we're having a good time here in Kickers, which this might be one of the best loc- places I think in Vegas actually to watch March Madness with all these TVs in here. Because you know when you go to probably not a sports book, but if you go to any typical bar, you probably got like what three TVs running around here. We are surrounded by them, so every game will get played. You guys won't be missing out. You can adjust yourself, I guess, to watch any TV that you want. So it's really cool. I recommend everyone come down here when the action gets started today. Yeah, one of the cool things, too, is the game sound is always on, which is pretty amazing. A lot of places don't do that sure. because they want to be able to socialize, talk, and stuff like that. Also, at Kickers, uh, you know, they are one of the very few standalone sports bars 
in downtown Las Vegas where they're by themselves out in, out north. It's really cool. And it's a great, great establishment. Not real big. It's quaint. They're at 50% capacity now. Soon, I imagine they'll be ramping that up as well. But you're right, Spencer. Seven TVs showing all the big games. They got the Sunday ticket during the NFL season. And it is a full-service bar, meaning a full-service tavern license. And what that means is you they have the ability to sell you the beer they sell here to take home, which is pretty darn cool. And hey, one of the really cool things about Kickers is they show all the UFC and pay-per-view fight, Spence. You got to get here early for those because they do line up. They pack the house, and it's pretty cool. During football season, they're a Packers bar, and they, they do uh, during Packers games. They're giving away jerseys, giving away Packers bling, Packers paraphernalia. Pretty cool. And how about the Vegas Golden Knights? There's probably not a better place in Vegas to watch the Vegas Golden Knights. You want to do some shots and celebrate with your team? This is the year to come because $2 shots during every Vegas Golden Knights game, and they give away free shots every time the Golden Knights score a goal. Uh, Friday night, you got four shots because they beat the LA Kings four to two. Great place for all that. It is a place that it's happening. And uh, check them out. You can follow them on social media to stay up to date with all the events, viewing parties, and happenings at Kickers. It is really cool. So come on down and check this place out. And again, we'll be here for the next hour. We're here every single Sunday. Well, Spencer, I mentioned the Golden Knights, and let's get it started with Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. The puck has been pretty incredible over the the three and now the fourth season the Vegas Golden Knights have played. Um, all three seasons making the playoffs. The first season making the Stanley Cup Finals. Really got screwed in the second season in Game 7 against the San Jose Sharks. Should have gone on at least to the second round there. And last year, again, making the conference finals, coming within a breath of going to the Stanley Cup Finals for the second straight time, or second time in two years. And this year, once again, one of the best teams in hockey, best team in their division, 43 points. It's only the third uh, fourth best team in the league based on point total. It is amazing what this team continues to accomplish. Right now, they beat LA Friday, as I mentioned, four to two. Spencer, they're 21 six and one. And what a great comeback I saw last Wednesday against San Jose. Probably one of the best, some of the best 10 minutes of hockey I've ever seen. They were down three to one with 10 minutes to go in the third period, and the game ended five to four. What does that mean? Five goals scored in 10 minutes. It was exciting as hell. Really cool to see three fights, including Mark Stone mixing it up and, uh, and throwing some good punches, by the way. I thought he won the fight, but um, they are an amazing team, and they've won five in a row now, 10 of their last 12 games. Um, they are rolling, and they play next tomorrow night at T-Mobile. The LA Kings will be in town. But, Spencer, this team is something else, and – the combination of players they have, you know, I can't talk enough about guys like Mark Stone. I know, I know your issues with Pacioretty, but still, he is the second leading scorer on the team, so it's hard to argue that he's not valuable. Um, Ryan Reeves finally got a goal in the San Jose game, which was pretty cool. Really nice deflection, by the way, for his first game of the season, as he may be a guy in the hot seat at the end of the year because they are ramping up the team a little bit. But this team is just gelling; they're playing together, and we talked about it last week, or we talked about it on your show. You asked me the X factor. What makes them stand out and what could potentially make this team 
be Stanley Cup champions this year. They're going to have tough road. Tampa Bay, again, the best team in hockey regular season-wise. Washington playing really well. I mean, for God's sakes, you've also got Toronto at Edmonton. Well, considering Toronto you know, and Edmonton have two of the best players in the league, respectively, on each of those teams. But there's some foes out there. But what could the, why would this team win a Stanley Cup? Besides the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury, again, is playing great hockey. Robin Leonard healthy. He played Friday night and, and beat the Kings. Uh, but it's Pete DeBoer. This guy can flat out coach. And again, all of you naysayers that were worried about Gerard Glant, hey, I love the guy. He was a perfect fit, Spence, for the expansion part of the team and to get this team up and running to pick the players. I think he's a great fit. But Pete DeBoer is a guy, a no-nonsense guy. He will mix the lines up on a game. During the game, he'll mix lines up. He just really sees, like, this force foreshadowing of what's going to happen before it happens. And he makes changes accordingly. I love the guy. And if they're going to win a Stanley cup, I really think all the pieces are really in place for this team to take the next step and move on. You don't love the division that they're in, but I'll tell you what, Colorado's a really good team as well. This team can play. And, um, don't be surprised if this is the year they finally get over the hump. It's very hard to get through the series and win a Stanley cup finals, but nobody is going to be shocked if when it's all said and done, the Vegas Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. And uh, you, you had talked about the thing with Peter DeBoer. And for me, it's accountability. I think Gerard Gallant is an excellent X's and O's coach. He understands the game of hockey from a fundamental level. Where the issue comes in is guys getting too far off their leash. And that's when you see guys like Patchetti at his worst, when he feels like he doesn't have anything to stop him from continuing going. Peter DeBoer will not take stuff like that. And I think that's why you've seen significant more production out of patch ready than you have ever before. He's not afraid to change lineups on or change lineups at a, you know, wins notice or just any sort of game. He'll take guys out. If you feel like they're not playing well enough, he'll put guys up to the first line. And that's what is so great about him. Besides the fact that I also think he is a good X's and no coach. Uh, and how about these other additions that the Gold Knights have gotten? Now, have they gotten every single move, right? We know that the Acadia went to the St. Louis Blues, who ended up being very good for the team and probably should have kept him. But this meaningless, seemingly meaningless trade for Alec Martinez, I think last year or a couple of years ago, for I think it was like a second-round pick, a veteran defender coming from the Kings who has championship experience. He had two assists last night in that game against the LA Kings. So besides the big names of Mark Stone, and Petrangelo that the, the Vegas has been able to recruit. And it's kind of sad even now as we're talking about it out loud, how easy it is for Vegas to recruit being that we are in such an amazing town and that none of the other teams here can seem to do that. But they figured it out in Vegas. They're making it work. They're not just the team that came here as the expansion team now. They are an established team and people are fearing them. And now with the roster that they have from veterans all the way to star players, because Mark Stone, we, you know, he is a top 10 player, but he isn't in that discussion. This year, he truly is playing that. When he was playing in Ottawa, there was no question. People were saying he was a top three player. When he came here, all right, his production drops a little bit. But now that he's had time to play with these guys on the power play and just, you know, everything that he does, he steals the puck better than anybody else in the league at his position. And when you combine all of those factors together, Peter DeBoer, Alec Martinez, Mark Stone, Alex Tuck coming into his own, this is a scary hockey team more than has ever been way more than the first year. The first year was all the excitement and just hype and the city being around them. Now they're just playing good. Right, and, uh, Mark Stone, Stone very rarely 
does one game, let alone two games, go by where he doesn't put a point of some sort? He had an assist up Friday night, and your boy Max Patch ready two goals to play the star of the game on Friday night. This team just continues to gel. They continue to find the right chemistry, and they're clicking on all cylinders. They really are. And again, you know, Petrangelo was such a big pickup, as you talked about on your show Friday night. And with Shea Theodore, you're talking probably two of the best six defensemen in all of hockey playing on the same team. And again, when you add Mark Stone, William Carlson, Pacioretty, uh to that mix, even Cody Glass showing why he was a number one pick as he scored again. On, he scored um, Wednesday night as well in the Sharks game. This this team is a lot of fun to watch, and it's cool that they're finally letting fans back in. Wednesday was the first game I attended where it was you know very low capacity, two or 3,000 people, but they made a lot of noise, and it's cool that slowly to see that getting more and more infiltrated into all of sports where they're letting fans in again. It's just not the same feel without fans, and especially at T-Mobile Arena, one of the most electrifying places to play. I tell everyone, if you haven't been to a Vegas Golden Knights game, as soon as you get the opportunity, spend the money and go. The best way to say it is it's a, it is a Las Vegas show and a hockey game breaks out. It is really cool, and especially at playoff time. I'll tell you what, those tickets are invaluable. I'd much rather spend big money on a Las Vegas Knights ticket than a lot of other things because it really is an experience that I think everyone in Vegas should go and check this out. It is so exciting. It's electrifying. Like I said, when I'm sitting in that building, I feel like Uncle Fester, man. Stick a light bulb in my mouth, and it'll light up. It is that cool and Vegas Golden Knights continue as I said today they'll be playing um uh or not today tomorrow night they'll be back in town to play uh the LA Kings and uh Robin Leonard I don't know if he'll start again tomorrow but he is back so Leonard and Fleury now you've got a you've got two top quality goalies um playing for this team I'm really, really excited about the finish of the season and watch this this team going into postseason. We'll get somebody on the air next year, next week, one of the broadcasters to talk more about the Vegas Golden Knights and see if they kind of feel the same way you do and I do about the success of this team. So can't talk enough about them. That's nightcap. Go on to something else that I'm pretty passionate about, and that is fact this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. T.J. Opselberger is out as UNLV's head basketball coach. But as we all know by now, not because he was fired, but rather because he accepted the head coaching job at Iowa State. If you haven't heard the news yet and you've been under a rock here in Vegas, don't be shocked. That is absolutely true. This means that UNLV will be hiring their sixth basketball coach in the last 10 years seasons. Spencer, that is unbelievable. And what I'm going to do right now is I, I feel obligated to read this press release that was sent by UNLV about the, the, the leaving. Of, and I want your opinion of this press release after I read it. Director of Athletics Desiree Reed-Francois confirmed Thursday that TJ Otzelberger has resigned as head coach of the UNLV men's basketball program to accept the head coaching position at Iowa State. Otzelberg returns to Ames, where he has spent eight years as an assistant coach. When our coaches are being pursued by others, it is a testament to what we are building, said Reed Francois. We appreciate Coach Otzelberger's contributions to our men's basketball program, and we wish TJ and his family all the best as they continue their journey. 
Otzelberger spent eight years with the Cyclones when he met his wife, where he met his wife, Allison, the highest WNBA draft pick in Iowa State history. After two seasons at Washington from 2013 to 2015, Otzelberger returned to Iowa State for one season before making his head coaching debut at South Dakota State in 2016. I want to thank our student athletes, coaches, staff, and fans for a memorable two years at UNLV and the Las Vegas community. Otzelberger said, I especially want to thank Desiree Reed Francois for providing me with the incredible honor of leading the running rebels. These decisions are never easy, but Allison and I are excited to return to Iowa state where we started our family and spent so many formative years in Otzelberger's two years with the running rebels, UNLV secured strong recruiting classes. And during the 2019, 2020 campaign, he guided the team to a tie for second place in the mountain West, marking the program's best league finish in 12 years. The men's basketball program also achieved record academic success with Otzelberger at the helm as the running Rebels turned a semester grade point average of 3.57 for fall 2020, the program's highest ever. It marked the third straight record-setting semester GPA for the team. A national search for Otzelberger's replacement will commence immediately. Spencer, you got your boots on? Did that, did, did, it, get, did it get pretty deep? This, you know what this tells me and kind of the what I kind of felt from this is that Reed Francois said something that TJ said, that's it, I'm gone. Because she's like a very proud of him. I think she, she asked, she says, we got to get some wins here and I need you to get X amount of wins next year. And I think he felt disgusted either because he didn't feel like he had enough free reign to do what he wanted. We don't know what goes on in the back end of this kind of stuff. We don't know how much of the program is his fault or not his fault. You know, he's only been there two seasons, but again, eventually it's going to be UNOV's fault for all of these coaches leaving. Lon Kruger is running a very successful program over there. TJ will have a chance in Iowa. I mean, if he is successful, this will, I mean, UNOV will look like the laughing stock of the country for letting consecutive coaches go to bigger programs and have be good there. It's not hard to be good in the West. Yes, are they getting better? Are we seeing two teams in the Mountain West in March Madness now, which is an improvement for the most part, I would say. Normally, that's not the case. Normally, for a long time, it was just UNLV, and then SDSU, we know, has always been around. But still, everyone seems to be elevating their game, and we're getting pushed farther and farther down. It's so strange to see UNLV get worse every year. And also, there's the whole lie about strong recruiting classes. David Jenkins it barely counts as a recruit in my opinion because he's just following his coach and that was kind of expected when he came here that was kind of the big draw when he did announce that he was going to be the head coach of UNLV everyone expected this move to happen and I don't even are we going to say that uh Caleb Grill is a great recruit to come to UNLV I mean come on we had coaches and David Rice who had NBA talent that's good recruiting. When you have talent, like you may not be able to cultivate them and have them be the NBA talent in college. And that's kind of a problem, like in the coaching side of things. But if you're able to recruit that level of talent, then okay, now we're talking about a completely different league here. He did not recruit a single person that will get in the G League. In the G League, Bryce Hamilton was already there. Of course, we know that. So I'm not, this article is a fluff piece and it's kind of disgusting when you read it out loud as you get further and further along. Like, this is some sort of fairy tale ending to it. No, this is a disaster. Like you said, 10 co or six coaches in 10 years. How can we keep having this turnover? And why can't, why aren't coaches enamored with the team and the program? This is Las Vegas. How much, 
one of the greatest and best workout facilities in the country. All the tools should be necessary for success at UNLV. And every single year we fall flat on our faces. It's unbelievable. Well, I'll let you say we, first of all, because you were a UNLV student, so you can say we when you talk to them. But I'll tell you what, you need some sleep. This conversation was more about UNLV and, and Otzelberger leaving, and it's not about the coaches. Otzelberger left, and, and one of the things saying, Desiree, that's how you talked about one of the lies about a better recruiting class. Caleb Grill was actually a transfer from a top-notch D1 school, and was we see why he transferred, because he wasn't going to see the floor where he was at. Same with Moses Wood. I'm in shock, and I'm in shock at what she said about it's a testament to what we are building. Oh, my God in heaven. I mean, the bottom line is, why is somebody not calling up UNLV every time Desiree Refrancois walks into a dispensary? Because they should be, because she's obviously spending a lot of time there. Not that I'm putting marijuana down and stuff, but oh, my God. Let's be – let's not – revel this he left he would have left no matter what was happening number one Ames Iowa he spent a lot of time there again he met his wife there who was an all-american at Iowa State uh you know played in the WNBA but god almighty I mean this guy was a dumpster fire here seriously last year yes they finished tied for second the program regressed tremendously from last season the play of Bryce Hamilton regressed the play of Mbake Zhang regressed and those were the two guys that I thought would get a cup of tea maybe because Mbake Zhang is a hair under seven feet tall you know he's got a, a, a body he can block shots a good coach might be able to make him a project Bryce Hamilton we saw a number of times during the season, make NBA moves to get to the basket. And then at other times, the motor was completely turned off, which is a coach's job to get in the melon of a player like Bryce Hamilton and get him to be great. Unbelievable that this is even happening. TJ was making 1.2 this year at UNLV, the highest paid coach in the Mountain West, which is a slap in the face of Craig Smith. It's a slap in the face of, of Coach Leon Rice. It's a slap in the face of Brian Dutcher at San Diego State. For God's sakes, it's a slap in the face of the guy Medved at, at Colorado State who had a great year this year. This is un- – I'm just blown away by this. I, I knew he was going to get the job. I almost got talked out of it by a couple of friends in the business, and I did get talked out of it for a second. Say, yeah, what would – because the thought is, what are the boosters and the alumni going to say when you've got a coach that you see him regress, a terrible UNLV team, schedules a couple of patsy games to get two wins – this is absolutely repulsive. Six coaches now in 10 years, and you're going to say five, but you're going to forget when Rice got fired, Todd Simon did step in as the interim coach for the end of the for the rest of the year. So this will be the sixth coach in 10 years. Lon Kruger, as you mentioned, went to Oklahoma having great success. They won yesterday against Missouri. They'll move on to the, 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 the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Lon Kruger is a great coach. UNLV wouldn't pay him. He might have stayed instead of go to Oklahoma if they would have paid him. So they get Dave Rice. Dave Rice, of course, played on the championship team for Jerry Tarkanian. Beloved here, brings in Stacey Ogman as one of his assistants. Everyone kind of like that. Dave Rice won a few big games when he when he's here. Beat Arizona in the regular season when they were one of the top-ranked teams in the country. Huge win. He had a few things like that. The back had fans in it with Dave Rice here. Dave Rice was a little bit soft as far as you know his yelling and screaming. And I think that might have been his biggest downfall, but a hell of a recruiter. And now people actually miss the guy. Todd Simon 
didn't get a fair shake here. Todd Simon has done nothing but wonders up at Southern Utah, probably going to move to a school like Central Michigan who's looking for a coach this year. And, man, UNLV ought to think about going back and getting him. He coached at Finley Prep. He knows the area. He knows recruit. And Todd's a great guy, and Todd is a motivator. He would be a great a great fear. They won't bring him back. He was part of the Rice regime. No. So Rice gets fired in the middle of the season. They let, they let him go as the interim coach, Todd Simon, at the end of the year. And they bring in Marvin Menzies. A lot of success at New Mexico State. He comes in. You know, he's really put under the gun the first season. You have to give him a pass to that. He got some pretty decent players here. Um, you know, that, that we didn't think Justin was a good player, and that guy went on to play at, I think, Arizona State or Arizona. I mean, Menzies didn't really get a fair shake here. I don't say that Menzies was a good coach who's going to do anything else. He's kind of a used car salesman, in my opinion. But, you know, he didn't get his fair due. Then they bring in Otzelberger, this guy from South Dakota. Nobody's heard of him. He comes here, and yes, they get the second place last year in, in a very bad Mountain West conference in the regular season. They bow right out of the tournament, and this year they get even worse. I mean, 11 wins should have been nine wins. Two of them shouldn't even count. They lose in the first game of the season, Spencer. We were there against Montana State. Now, granted, Montana State did make the NCAA tournament in their league. They were good, but come on, they blew UNLV out. It was never even a game. It was embarrassing for both of us to watch that game. This is unbelievable, and I don't see him having success at Iowa State. Iowa State has gone backwards a little bit since Fred Hoiberg's been there, which was one of his mentors. I don't see it, I, I, but I, I'm not going to wish any ill will on the guy. He wasn't a bad guy or anything, but my God, this is shocking. And to say something, it, it, it's testament to what we are building. What that is is that is Desiree Refrance while lobbying for a contract extension because her contract ends next year here. And she's lobbying and finding every means and every avenue to lobby. Please see through this Whitfield. God almighty, this, this has to change. This has to change. And it's got to change immediately. Uh, they're talking about, you know, different coaches. And, of course, once again, when you talk about coaches, you see Rick Pitino had success at Ionia. Went in the tournament, played a decent game. He blamed the refs for getting bumped out of the game yesterday. But the bottom line is Patino. The problem is, and Ed Graney wrote about it in the Review Journal today. Check out the article. Patino is not coming here. Don't get excited. Don't get anything. Patino carries some serious baggage. He was fired at Louisville as part of a wide-reaching FBI investigation into college basketball recruiting. The NCAA has also yet to legislate the case, meaning infractions could still be aimed at Patino. And I'm quoting Craig, uh, Ed Graney's article, who really followed Rick Patino's career and, and, and is really versed to talk about it. He also said there was also a case regarding which we know sex parties with prostitutes for recruits and players in on-campus dorms. The result, Louisville had its 2013 national championship stripped. But... Rick Pitino has led three teams to the final four in college. Only got to do it. Providence, which really put him on the map, Kentucky and Louisville. Big resume. He would require a bigger contract. I think that, that UNLV could pay him. And you still got to wonder about the legislation, the allegations. So, Desiree bounced on him before and she bounced on him again. The people that were in the article that, that, that Sam Gordon put in the review journal today, which I agree. And I think Randy Bennett probably is the front runner for this job. Randy Bennett is a longtime St. Mary's coach. He's guided the Gales to seven NCAA tournament appearances during his 20 years with the program. They're talking about Jason Kidd. They're talking about Shantae Leggins. They're talking about Tony Stubblefield. They're talking about Reggie Theus. God, no. And they're talking about Mike Woodson. 
Those are the guys that they're talking about replacing T.J. Atzenberger. Some names you've heard of, some names they're not talking about that they, I think they should. you got a guy right here living in Vegas. I know because I did the mortgage for his house in Larry Eustacey, who was in 1991 National College Coach of the Year at Iowa State, ironically. Led the Cyclones to the Elite Eight with Marcus Pfizer, and he's a hell of a coach. Coach of the Year in the Mountain West one year when he was coaching at Colorado State. He does have a high temper. He does get upset. But he knows how to win, and he knows how to get the most out of his players. Sometimes he goes a little bit overboard, but he would be a good fit. Another guy, the former coach of Utah, Larry Kostoyak, unbelievable coach at Utah, did great things, former player. This guy can flat-out coach as well, and I like him. And his guy I just mentioned, man, Todd Simon, look at the success he's had in a few short years at Southern Utah. I have no problem bringing that guy back and letting him run with it. I mean, he was a hell of a coach. He coached under Dave Rice, and again, he coached at Finley Prep. He coached Christian Wood. This guy is the real deal, but Todd will go to Central Michigan and give the Chippewas some good success in my old stomping ground. I know I'm ranting and raving about all this. I'm sick to my stomach just because it, it, it somehow Desiree Reed Francois is able to spin this to sound like it's good thing because he's getting taken by a big school. The only reason, again, he is getting the job at Iowa State is because he spent eight seasons there and his wife was an All-American basketball player there. There's tenure, and if that doesn't speak for politics, nothing does. Sickening, gross, and Spencer, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to beat it up anymore. I wish him the best of luck. I don't, I don't want to rain on everybody's anybody's parade, but again... It is, it, 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 it's, it, it's head scratching. If I'm an alumni or a booster at Iowa State right now, I'm like, what in the hell are you guys doing? This is a university with a decent basketball history. Let's go out and get a real coach. And they didn't do it. Well, one thing that you did say that I think we have to go back on is Patino. Yes, does he come with baggage? He sure does. But you know me, you know me thrived off of a little bit of controversy during the greatest days of college basketball during its time. We know there was probably some illegal recruiting going on at least a little bit there. There was pictures in the newspaper and that's what was kind of fun about it. This is Vegas. We're a little bit wild and we don't even like, he's probably not going to be banned from NCAA for any of this. He claims is innocent. He probably has a, a decent enough, uh, you know, standing in court to make sure that he's not found guilty. If he comes here, it would be the biggest move in UNLV history after Tarkanian left. I mean, you go down the list of just names of guys that were trying to revitalize, trying to remember those great days. We don't need to go back to the days of the running Rebels because that kind of basketball probably doesn't work anymore. You know, being on the fast break is good, of course, but I'm talking about the entire offensive style. He understands the modern game of basketball. He would be the best recruiter that we've had in a long time. Everywhere he goes, and you talked about the Final Four appearances, well, there's one. the first year he went overseas, he won the championship over there in Europe. He can go anywhere and be successful. That team had um, Jimmer Fredette on it and uh, Wesley Johnson, which is just random, but it's something I remember there. I know there's other lists of names there. Jason Cade would probably be a good one. We need somebody who the town can recognize to get some people into the stands. It is a two-way street, you know. We can't like fans have to support the program and the more support the program gets, you know, the better the recruiting is because the players feel welcome to the team. I understand that. But if they're this bad every year, you can't expect that at the very least. And the aces have also taken this route of having a big name at head coach, Bill Ambeer. You know, people know who that is. People will go to an aces game because they know of the Pistons bad boys. When you have a Jason kid on the team, coach the Milwaukee Bucks, he wasn't very good. He was on the championship 
coaching roster for the Lakers last year, of course. He's looking to get back into the NBA. I don't know if that'll even be possible. Uh, but, you know, there's a, my dad said, my dad had checked in. He was saying that Stacey Ogman would be a good choice. So someone who the, t- the city can rally behind is the most important part. But I think Rick Pitino should be, they should give him whatever he wants. If we're willing to spend over a million dollars on some random guy, TJ Alselberger from North Dakota State, why not pay a little more for a big name that will actually get people in the city talking? Everybody will be talking about it if he's hired. Well, TJ South Dakota State. State. That's cool. That's Dakota. Secondly, Rick Pitino was adamant in the post-game press conference yesterday when they lost to number two Alabama that he is staying put. And, and I mean, I, there's no question money talks, but he was very adamant about how Ionia is going to be a good team. And Stacey Ogman, Plastic Man, loved Plastic Man, okay? Loved him when he was at UNLV and he was part of the team. The problem is he burned his bridge here at UNLV when he got really upset when Todd Simon was the interim coach when they fired Dave Rice and they didn't fire him. He came out, he was very outspoken, and he he, he threw matching over that bridge and threw gasoline on it. He will not even be considered for this job. Although, Mark, I like Plastic Man, and I think he could recruit because of his NBA, um, his NBA resume and also because he was on that he was he wasn't just on the team like Dave Rice he actually was a regular participant and a starter on the UNLV championship team but Augman's gone he's not going to be there that's that, that's wishful thinking um but I'll tell you what uh, aside from that Patino would be a great fit. I, I don't. I wouldn't care about the controversy. I think we'd all love to see him. He would be able to recruit, and he would eventually pack the MAC again. But Spencer, I promise you, Desiree Reed, Reed Francois is not going down that rabbit hole. She has enough on her plate right now to try to convince the new president to ke- let to let her keep her job, and she's lobbying like there's no tomorrow. I'm telling you right now, my guess is it's going to be Randy Bennett of St. Mary if he'll take the job. And I don't know why he would. St. Mary probably you know, he got to he'll make more money here than at St. Mary, but St. Mary loves him and I, I'll be I'll be surprised. But again, he's been with that program for 20 years as well. So he's a fixture there. It would be kind of a surprise. If not him, I think they will make a play for Jason Kidd. But I don't know if he'll come to UNLV. It's a big it's a big move for him. But Jason Kidd, if nothing else, when he, he'd be pretty impressive sitting in your living room recruiting your kids. So that could help turn the program around. Plus, he alone would put people in the stands as well. Being an ex-NBA star and a Hall of Famer, it's not going to happen. I, I, like I said, I think my guess is going to probably be Randy Bennett will end up getting the job, and we'll see where that goes. Um, but again, I don't want to – it's not about UNLV bashing. I'm going to tell you straight up. I love this university. I love Las Vegas. I'm from Detroit, but I have really embraced this. And I graduated from Michigan State, but my second favorite university is UNLV. So it pains me to see this as much as it pained me to watch Michigan State blow blow the game against UCLA the other night. It's painful. But the bottom line is, it's over, and now we're going to have a sixth coach in 10 years, and please find somebody that can stay for six or seven seasons and start rebuilding a program and create a culture again with UNLV basketball and make the Thomas Mack a full facility 
as, as it should be. It's a beautiful place to play basketball. I'm done with that rant about UNLV, and I apologize if I offended anybody out there. It is nothing personal against Desiree Reed Francois. I've spoken with her a few times. I've interviewed her. She is a nice woman. It's not about that. She's just a lousy athletic director. Let's call it like it is, and that's the way it is, period. End of story. Spencer, let's move on uh, real quickly before we get into March Madness, which we're going to finish the show on. Free agency. I know you're pissed about the Raiders. I got to say, before we it started and it's not a Detroit show so I won't go off on this but how in the hell are the Detroit Lions they let Stafford go I was good with that I said you know what Matthew deserves he spent 11 seasons there got the hell beat out of him he deserves to go somewhere on it to a team that has a chance to make some noise the LA Rams are one of those teams because they have one of the best defensive fronts in football maybe arguably and Aaron Donald, the best player in the NFL, pound for pound and skill-wise, a good offensive line that they rebuilt to try to protect Jared Goff last year. It's a good fit for Matthew Stafford, and he might get to the playoffs, and he might even win a game or two in the playoffs, something he would have never done in Detroit. But how in the hell are you going to let Kenny Galladay escape to the New York Giants because you got a draft pick? So you're going to go draft a number, a rookie wide receiver to replace one of the top five receivers when healthy in the National Football League. I, I'm done. I'm not going to even rant it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to vomit after the show knowing this is happening. It's sickening. I mean, this is a franchise. The bottom line is Ford family, please, please sell that team and put somebody in charge that wants to win. Please. You are the only consistent thing in the losing that they've done in the Super Bowl era. And I'll tell you the, the curse. If you don't know what I, I can't think of anything else that jinxes them. William Clay Ford, and you can check this out, he signed the contract to buy the Detroit Lions the day JFK was assassinated in 1963. That is a true story. And I can't think of any other reason there's a curse out there for this team. It's mind-blowing. Sell the team, get somebody else with it. Spencer, the free agency the Raiders did, you're not happy at all about it. Well, they were tight on cap space, like most teams are, so it's not their fault. I mean, you have a sharp decline of 8% in cap space. That leaves a lot of money to be desired. That's why you see tons of awesome free agents out there, like Justin Houston, who's a little bit older, but still having, I think, he had 19 sacks in the past few seasons. Kenny Galladay, I guess you could say, is another one of them. Kyle Rudolph. A lot of veterans are getting uh, dropped, and the Raiders had to do the same thing. They traded Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent uh, Williams, so all of them had to go, which is fine. But when you are strapped with cast space and you get one good signing in Yannick Ndokwe, the, easily the best defensive player for the Raiders, which is embarrassing because he hasn't amassed over 10 sacks, I think, in the past two seasons. With the little cast space that you have left that you should use to sign someone like Richard Sherman or uh, there was plenty of uh, – Kyle, Ful Kyle Fuller was out there. He just signed today with the Broncos, if I'm not mistaken. You get Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is not a bad running back, but why would you spend the rest of your cast space on a running back when you have – Josh Jacobs, mind you, he went from 4.8 yards per carry to 3.9 last year. So there was a little bit of drop in production. He still had over 1,000 yards, still was a pro bowler. And then you have a great third down back as well who can catch the football. And Kenyon Drake had like 932 yards rushing last year, 132, something like that, receiving. So he had over 1,000 yards as well. He's not going to be bad, but there's so this is the worst. The team has gotten significantly worse over the offseason. You let Nelson Aguilar walk in free agency, which is one of the most bizarre moves I've ever seen. You're Place them with John Brown. Is Henry Ruggs going to be a wide receiver next year? No. The Raiders to put that on him. We all knew that Henry Ruggs was not the best receiver in last year's draft. Everybody knew that. He was the third or fourth best. 
never going to be a first option, maybe in his entire career. That He played second fiddle to the guy he was drafted over, who went to the Denver Broncos, of course. So to say that they think he's going to develop so much in one year to get over his injury problems from his rookie season is setting him up for disaster. This means that he could be out of the NFL quicker than we ever imagined because he's going to look like Boo Boo the Fool when he can't get separation. He can't, get, he can't catch the ball. He doesn't have great hands. They said that he was going to be Tyreek Hill when he never was going to be in his career, period. Now, looking forward, what are they going to do in the draft? It doesn't matter. That's the answer. And Because Mike Mayock is in the seat, when you see a signing like Drake, either you're going to trade Josh Jacobs, who's in a small contract, he's on a rookie contract. What are you going to do? You're going to cut Marcus Mariota, who he's who you should have as your backup quarterback, but now they're going to be forced to trade him to even maybe have room to sign your first round pick. It's a, I don't understand what's going on. And it's my fault because I gave myself hope this off season. I said, maybe we're turning things around and I do this every off season. I know they're going to be terrible. You can go back to the McKenzie days where he had no idea what he was doing. You signed Mike Mayock and you know, it's just Every single day gets worse. And now they're not going to make any free agency signings for the rest of the offseason because they don't have any money. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm putting a challenge out. Mike Mayock, Spencer Ostrovsky, the whiz, in the octagon. Dana White, schedule the fight. This guy wants Mike Mayock. He wants him in the octagon, and he wants to take him down because he wants to get him the hell out of the general manager's seat. Spencer said on his show Friday night that if, that if, if John Gruden has to go with Mayock, then get him out of here. That's how bad he wants Mike Mayock on. Spencer, I'm not as big of a Mike Mayock hater as you are, but yeah, I don't see this team getting better. And it's the job of a general manager heading your football operations to make the team better. And I don't see them better either, Spencer. Last year, they had one of the most poorest secondaries in the National Football League. And what have they done to shore up that secondary? Nothing. Like I said on your show Friday night, they're going to come up with a new name for a new brand of Swiss cheese to name here in Vegas after the Raiders. It is a bad football team. They went 8-8 eight and eight last year. They could be worse this year. And it looked like they're heading in the right direction, 500. No, man, they they are heading in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm going to agree with you there, and it's pretty sad. Listen, talking about the NCAA tournament, I want to give you one more reminder. Uh, this is out of line. I'm Brian Feldman. I'm here with uh, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski. We are live at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar just down the road from Cashman Center and the Neon uh, the neon Graveyard up there. It's pretty cool. It's got all the old Vegas signs. Really neat thing. It is so cool here. 17 big screen televisions and 15 gaming machines. They play the game sound during the games. The NCAA tournament's going to be rocking here all day. So if you get a chance, come on down. Once again, they've got the NS NHL center ice package, $2 shots during Vegas Golden Knights games, and free shots every time the Knights scores. During football, they're a Packers bar. They play the UFC and pay-per-view events. This is the place to be. If you want to find out everything going on at Kickers, check out their social media sites. And it'll tell you all the events, viewing parties, and the happenings here at Kickers. Again, Jennifer Metzger, Dylan Reese, great people. The owners, Jennifer from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Dylan from outside of Detroit, Michigan. Um, it is really cool. Amazing. A Michigander and a Detroit Lion fan, a Packer fan, owning the same bar. That's pretty cool and very rare. Spencer, we got about 10 minutes left in the show. 
Let's talk about the NCAA tournament. Like I said, March Madness, here it is during the pandemic. It has been, never been a wilder situation. What I want to start with, first of all, something that aggravates the hell out of me, and one team got a pass into the second round, and that's the Oregon Ducks. Not that they, would have be, they wouldn't have beaten VCU. They very well could have, and they were a higher seed, and the Pac-12 is undefeated so far. So my guess is they would have beaten them anyway, but you had four teams on standby for COVID. I don't know what happened and why Louisville, who is the number one team on standby, did not quickly get flown down to Indiana. And it's not even that far of a flight, for God's sakes, and play and play against Oregon. It should have happened. I don't like any team getting a pass in the tournament. You got to now if it's after the first round. Yes, there's nothing you can do. That's but in the first round, no way. You got to bring in another team, and they should have brought in Louisville, and I'm pretty pissed off about that. I'll leave it at that. Let's talk about some of the things that did happen. Some of the great upsets, like Abilene Christian beating Texas, shooting only 29% from the floor, and they still beat Shaka, Cart, Shaka Smart and the Texas Longhorns. How the hell did that happen? If you look at the last possession of the game, great defense, and that's what we love about NCAA tournament, that's – you know, I don't think there has been a lot of buzz because it's just a very strange setup. There's no fans, and that's taken so much out of the game because NCAA is driven more than any other sport in the world by the people in the stands. Uh, but, you know, these kids, they want to be there. They feel excited. And when you're a small school and you kind of let these teams hang around like that, they're going to make the most of the opportunity. They're going to do something. They play above their means. And, you know, it's fun. I, I like it. Defense is re- defense wins you championships. They're not going to win a championship, but we know that if you have a great defense, you can sneak away games at any point in any sport at any time. Talking about defense, defense, and what, what a good segue! And thank you for setting me up with this. A team that won by defense yesterday is a team that won their first, or I should say Friday, I believe the game was, won their first ever NCAA tournament game, North Texas. Vegas knows them because the last time they played in a football bowl game, it was against North Texas in the Cotton Bowl. It was a North Dallas Bowl, but they played them. They beat Purdue, and the Big Ten has really been shaky. Obviously, some of the biggest, two of the biggest upsets came at at the expense of the Big Ten. They held Purdue, a scoring machine to 29 points in the first half. And I'm telling you right now, North Texas is going to beat Villanova today. That's not going to happen. I, I appreciate it's happen, you. I, I appreciate you saying that, but no, no, come happen. on. That's, Villanova is one of the best programs in the country. Uh, and Spencer, they, they got some of their best players are out. Okay. I mean, it is obviously anything is possible. You know, I do my homework. I would just come out and say, say that out of the way. And what might be worse, actually, we talked about the Big Ten is the uh, the ACC. I think they went uh, one and only one team progressed for the ACC in this in the first round, which Florida is shocking. State. ACC used to be the SEC, like in football that we talk about. They're in shambles. Syracuse, of course, gets the win over San Diego State, which is a very quality win. Syracuse is kind of holding on the entire division, but wow, how sad is that? The downfall of the ACC, at least for this year specifically. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty, pretty disgusting, and I'm I'm amazed that all that that, that this has happened, and that 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 UC, ACC is this bad, and that is a surprise to all of us, as it's a surprise to the Pac-12, who everyone thought last year they did so bad in the tournament, they haven't lost a game yet, and they're winning upsets. Oregon State wins the Pac-12 tournament, and finds a way to win a huge game as well here, and I'll tell you, you know, the, Oral Roberts to me. They're another team that I think a 15 seed is going to be the second time a 15 seed advances to the to the second round, or I should say advances to the Sweet 16, and I believe that because 
Oral Roberts is one is, is the highest scoring team in the country. They have the, a player on their team, Max Osmus, that is the leading scorer in the country at 24 points a game. And that's not all they have. They have Kevin O'Bear, a six foot eight mismatch nightmare. This guy can play with his back to the basket, and he is a bully down low. They make 11 made threes on average per game. Oral Roberts is really for real, not for real to win a tournament, but for real to be a 15 seed to win a second game. And they get a really, really nice matchup in the second round um, today. And I believe I'm, I forgot. I, I, I got to look to my schedule real quick who they're playing today because I did this earlier. Um, let's see. Oral Roberts. Where's their house? They play, they play, they play Florida today. And I think they match up really well against Florida. I think Florida won't be able to cover them enough on the perimeter to beat them. And I think Oral Roberts moves on today as well. I got North Texas and Oral Roberts both moving on. Not in my bracket. I didn't pick either one of them. This is after watching the first game and one in my body of work in the tournament. I really like this team. They are a lot of fun to watch. They score a lot of points. They chuck it from the rasters, but with actually 11 made threes on average a game, Spencer. That is unbelievable. And again, the leading scorer in the country plays for that team. That is going to be a fun game to watch, Florida and them. And the team that I really think is going to be really tough is the Baylor Bears. They have the best backcourt in the country, Spencer. They are ridiculously good. They play fast pace or slow pace, but I think Wisconsin is their biggest threat to beat them in that bracket. Believe it or not, I think Wisconsin is a tougher threat in that bracket than anyone else they're going to play, and I'm including because you got to remember, Ohio State's out, and so people are thinking Arkansas or Texas Tech, no way. They'll blow through either one of those teams. They're familiar with Texas Tech, and they will beat Arkansas. Wisconsin's the one team that can beat them. So that should be a good matchup today. If Baylor goes down, if they don't go down today, Baylor's going to the final four. Yeah, and, and that's the whole idea. I think when you don't have fans, you can have some of these weirder upsets. But the tried and true teams, the best teams of the season that have been going so far, they are going to benefit as well from having no fans. When they play some of the smaller schools, that little energy they feel from getting the little upsets, that'll dissipate really quickly. The farther you get into the tournament, the less you can even build upon that. They are going to... I mean, just the, the way the, the bracket has lined up for them. They kind of got lucky, but, you know, they're going to take advantage and they will go. I have them going to the finals right now. I don't really see who else can stop them even looking ahead even further than that. And, you know, they've had a great season and they're going to benefit from it. Very rarely does that happen because, when some I've, uh, you know, normally the top seed, you're going to face some competition. But now they aren't. It, it won't be a freebie, of course. I mean, March Madness, anything can happen. But I like him so much in this tournament. No, I do too. And I, I think, you know, Gonzaga easily handled, uh, you know, no one thought they were going to have problems. I think Gonzaga is going to be pretty good. And I, I can't see anyone in their conference other than Iowa, maybe beating them. Kansas, although they won, they're weak and they're depleted. And Bill Self has a decent team. They play better, but I think Iowa-Kansas will be a fun game, but I think Iowa-Gonzaga might be one of the best games of the tournament when it gets there. We'll find out how real Gonzaga is when they play Iowa in the Elite Eight. I can't see that not happening. Florida State you know, they, 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 another team that you, you wonder about, Michigan, without Isaiah Livers, I think is going to be a real problem for them. That is a senior guy that's been there for five years, a leader. They're going to have some trouble. I still really like Alabama with what they've done. And again, on the lowest bracket, I like Illinois, and I still like Illinois winning the entire tournament. I think they're the best team in the country. Matchup nightmares all over the board. Listen, we're out of time. This is out of line. I uh, want to thank Spencer Ostrovsky, the Wiz, for helping out. Demon Cotton, back in the, um, the LV. Uh, 
uh, I should say back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. Once again, I'm Brian Feldman. We will be back next week, same time, same place. We appreciate you. March Madness, full gear. Check it out today. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.